0: Turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we want to use a number of scriptures tonight, we'll begin with this as home base, 2 Timothy chapter 2, I appreciate that, Phil, thank you so much. Brother Phil did what one of our young boys offered to do tonight, and I sort of said, no, you don't need to. I don't like to drink water in the pulpit, but sometimes my voice gets, especially right now, it gets all messed up, and I appreciate Deacon Phil Brent thinking about that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we want to use the first four verses, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, as a basis for the message tonight. And I'd like to mention that this is part of a series in, deal, in, in helping our officers and leaders and teachers and workers in Sunday School and Training Union uh, deal with some of the things that uh, we, we're sort of a training session to help equip us for what we need to do this coming year. We've been having some great sessions. Last Monday, Sunday night, Brother Ben and Brother Phil uh, really instructed us. And on Monday and Tuesday, we received further instruction. And teachers, any of the teachers and workers who had to miss that, missed a great, great opportunity. And then last Wednesday night, and last Sunday, we spoke from 1 Timothy. This morning we talked about the fact that God is able. From 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, God is able. There's hardly there is no situation we can imagine where the enabling power of God is not present. There just isn't any such thing. So God is able. Tomorrow night and Tuesday night at 6:30 our coordinators will be teaching understanding those areas, those those Children and people that we work with. Brother Ben will be leading the adults in understanding adults. We will have a special sessions with our youth director, lead, youth leaders, as Brother Buster shares that wonderful book, Understanding Youth. And Mrs. Oates will be, and Ms. Oates and Miss uh, uh, Miss uh, Suzanne Talley will be leading in understanding children. And. Uh, Mrs. Deanna May and Mrs. Jordan will be leading in understanding preschoolers. So, And then at 7.30, Brother Lonnie Mattingly will be here, and he'll be sharing with us and preaching to us on the importance of building a great work for God. God has used him in an unusual way in Louisville to touch uh, the whole city and to touch an area of Louisville that needs the glorious gospel. When Brother Lonnie went to the church, Shawnee Baptist Church, it was about to fold. It was in a changing neighborhood. The people were discouraged. They had, I think, fewer than 100 people coming. During these years that he has been there, they've had attendances of over 1,000 and have been averaging six to 700 in Sunday school every Sunday. It is about the fourth or fifth largest church in Louisville. They have led Baptists in Kentucky in soul winning, baptizing nearly 300 people this year. And so I think if for no other reason than to just sit in on some, on, under somebody's ministry who's seeing something happen and getting it done, you would sin against yourself and against your Sunday school class and against your work by not being here. So let me encourage you to be here Monday and Tuesday night, and then on Wednesday. Now tonight, I want to speak from this subject, and this is a a help to all of us, to everybody who names the name of Jesus. May we bow together in prayer before we get into it. Father, we ask you to lead us tonight, that we be led by the Holy Spirit, and know that God has spoken to us. We pray that if there's one person here who is not saved, that that one would come to Jesus and this will be an hour of victory, and that every Christian would take seriously what we're taught in the Scripture tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy, you remember from our studies in the Sunday School lessons in the morning in Acts, that Timothy was from Lystra, and he was there when Paul went on his first missionary journey, and you recall that they stoned Paul in the gates of Lystra, took him out of the gates, left him for dead, and God brought him back. And Timothy witnessed all of this. And Timothy was from a had a mother and a grandmother who loved the Lord, Eunice and Lois, and they loved Jesus. His father was a Greek, probably not saved, but Timothy was greatly influenced by his mom and grandmother, and now by the Apostle Paul. And on the second missionary journey, when Paul and Silas come to come to Lystra, Timothy joins them, and all the rest of the ministry of Paul. Timothy is one of the close workers with Paul. Paul had several workers with him in his first missionary journey, Barnabas and John Mark. John Mark went home. On the second missionary, it was Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, the beloved physician. Now, years and years go by. These missionary journeys take some years. And remember that Paul spent at least three years in the city of Ephesus. And now Paul is older. He's coming near the end of the way. He is in a Roman prison. And in just a few days, he will give his life for the glorious gospel. He's writing to Timothy. And urging Timothy to come. He's alone. He says in chapter 4, All have forsaken me. And in this chapter, listen to some of the godly counsel Paul is giving. And I think we could put ourselves in Timothy's place and let Holy Spirit through Paul speak to us. Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. There's so much in these few verses I do not know for sure that I can get through with this message tonight. If I do I want to lay on your heart three truths and I'll do it right at the beginning and then go from there. Number one Paul said be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He didn't say be strong in the works. Be strong in the grace which is unmerited favor. Number two the things which thou hast heard from me commit to faithful men and number three be pleased to please Jesus be content to please Jesus there'll be a lot of people bidding for your uh, attention your goodwill. Do not mind their applause nor their criticism. But look to Jesus and be sure that you're pleasing Him. Now, I think God would say that same thing to everyone who handles the Word of God as a secretary. And please, may there never be a secretary in this church in a class or a department. Who does not realize that he handles the Word of God that's reason it's important for you to come to the workers meeting you handle the Word of God your influence is so important every group captain every group leader every Sunday school superintendent director training union leader anybody who works with children anybody who teaches you're all under this same thing that Paul is writing to Timothy Timothy could well say, well, I'm just a little guy. I'm not much. After all, there's great Paul, and there's beloved physician Luke, and there's Silas. He's been a Christian a lot longer than I am, and I'm just little old nothing. Paul didn't write Silas. Isn't that interesting? Did you ever think of that? He didn't even write Luke. He wrote Timothy. You and I are Timothys. We're little peons, and we can receive the message that God is giving to Timothy through the Apostle Paul. Now, I want us to notice this. First of all, he says, be strong in the grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. The interesting thing here is that Paul is focusing on grace. Paul is the apostle of the grace of God the apostle of the love of God, over and over and over again, we hear about grace. What a precious, precious truth is the grace of God. We Baptists are sometimes so involved in this great doctrine of grace that we take it for granted. We sing and say, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And we sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, g-r-a-c-e god's riches at christ's expense and paul says timothy don't ever forget you're saved by grace make much of the grace of god be strong in the grace of god of course paul talked about works he talked about how important it was to work he said in ephesians two ten, for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus unto good works which god hath before ordained that we should walk in them but his focus here is on grace. He says, be strong in the grace. Now, I think that's an encouragement to Christians because sometimes we get defeated. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of us, just answer this in your heart, how many of us have been defeated in our Christian walk? We've let some old sin get in. We've let some little petty dis... Disharmony get into our minds or our lives. We've let some little old thing get in our lives and and it's it's cheated us out of the glory of God inside of us. And you know what the devil does when he when that happens? He comes and pounces on you, ha 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 ha. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. Has he ever done that to you? If you were really saved, that would never have happened to you. And he begins to focus on works. Paul says, Timothy, you're going to need what I'm saying to you. Down the line, you're going to discover that over and over and over and over and over again, you must be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace, the marvelous sound of love. Grace is God's love and favor when we didn't deserve it. Timothy, you will never deserve the grace of God. You'll never deserve it. You'll have to be like a pauper and come and say, Lord, I want to thank you for the grace, the grace, the grace. Paul says, Timothy, be strong in that grace. If you're a Christian, be strong in that grace. If you're a soul winner, be strong in that grace. If you're you're a teacher, be strong in that grace. If you serve anywhere the Lord Jesus Christ, be strong in the grace that is in Christ and focus and underscore it constantly in your life and never assume a Mr. Goody Shoes or an attitude of being better than somebody Them. I believe in standards. I believe women ought to look like women, men ought to look like men. I believe there are certain amusements that godly people ought to leave out of their lives. I believe in a lot of things that would make Christians walk close to Jesus and and and, and manifest that. But I want to tell you, nobody has ever been saved by standards. Nobody has ever gotten to heaven because you look like somebody else or you don't look like somebody else. Nobody has ever gotten right standing with God because you quit this or quit this or started something else. It is all of grace. And Paul says, Timothy, don't ever forget that. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. A little bit later, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Here he's talking about the hard, tough things that come in life. And he says, there are going to be some hard things, but always go back to the knowledge that you have been saved by grace. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but all oh the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story, what? Saved by grace. And Paul says, Timothy, don't forget that. And I would like to say that to you tonight, to all of us. Let's never forget that we're saved by grace. Now, I do not think there is a contradiction between being saved by grace and a Christian watching the way he walks. Because if you watch and, lead, and, and read the Apostle Paul very closely, you say you see him come right out and say, be strong in the grace, but listen... If eating me defend my brother, I'll eat no meat while the world stands." Amen. Now I want to move to the next thing that's in this passage. He says, verse two, "And the things which thou hast heard from me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou." to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Dr. Height Seymour had this to say concerning this passage. As he lay in a Roman dungeon awaiting his martyrdom, Paul passed to Timothy the torch that is still aflame. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What things? The things and only the things that were in perfect accord with what was divinely written in various countries over a period of about 15 centuries by 40 or more men of God who separately and solitarily were moved by the Holy Ghost. The amazing unity of the Word of God is revealed through Chaldea-trained Abraham, Egypt-trained Moses, Judah-trained David, Babylon-trained Daniel, Persia-trained Nehemiah, was not disturbed a feather's weight nor deflected a hair's breadth, by Roman trained Paul the things he taught were precisely what the others taught so far as they taught them for the single and sufficient reason that all were taught of God and then he said the same commit thou the same nothing more nothing less nothing other the same in substance, the same in emphasis, the same in presentation, the same in power, teach every group we can gather, every time it gathers, the gospel of the revealed, revealing, redeeming, risen, reigning, returning, rewarding Christ. Chain and confine every pulpit to the eternal purpose of God among men from far creation to far consummation Energize and effectualize every church with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. Paul said, Timothy, you've heard a lot of things from me. You've been with me since Lystra. We went all through the second missionary journey together. We went all through the third missionary journey together. You were with me in Ephesus. You were with me in all the all the times when I sometimes was flogged, and sometimes I was put in prison, and sometimes there was a, a hand of applause. You've been with me in times of joy, and times of defeat. Timothy, I'm in this Roman prison, and soon I must give up this earthly life, and I would ask you to commit to faithful men that which I've committed to you. Now, that's our task, teachers. Deacons, leaders, that's our task. Our task is to take what God has given to us and commit it to others. Now that's a twofold task. First of all, the glorious gospel of Christ. Every one of us is under a divine mandate to take that glorious gospel everywhere we go and tell people that God can change them. The glorious power of the gospel of Christ breaks the fetters and the chains of an old life. And that gospel has power to change men's minds and their lives and their destiny. That's the reason we need to go as soul winners. That's the reason we need to go as missionaries. That's the reason we need to go like Mark is taking New England for the Lord in his heart and then into Canada and everywhere where the gospel has been been preached or where it hasn't been preached. We have the Westcots in New Guinea and the others, Robinsons, who are going back to New Guinea. And they're dealing with some of the tribe's people who have never even heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're taking what Paul said to Timothy, take this thing, this glorious gospel, and commit it and plant it in people's hearts because it has power to change men's lives and their minds and their destinies. So the very first thing is to take the Gospel. Timothy, don't ever forget to take the glorious Gospel. That thing which you have heard from me, commit to others. Now we need to sow the Gospel broadly. Jesus talked about, if you sow abundantly, you'll reap abundantly. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. I told some group today, maybe it was a Sunday school or the training union tonight, that the Southeastern Company, a book salesman, they have a contest every year I talked to one of the guys who was here selling this summer and the contest at the beginning of the summer is to see which salesman can get the most no's N O you go to a house would you be interested in selling, buying some books? No would you be interested in selling, buying some books? No would you be interested in getting some books? No and over and over and over again and they have a contest and at the end of a week in two weeks they have to report how many no's they got why do they do that they do that because they know that the person that gets the most gold knows will also get the most guesses you sow abundantly you'll reap abundantly you go and knock on a few doors you interested in Jesus no you interested in Jesus no you interested in Jesus no well I'm gonna quit I can't do it like somebody else can I'm just gonna quit I'm not cut out to be a side just don't have the gift you ever heard somebody do that You go and 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 go. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. You just keep right on and deposit the gospel in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls, and you do it. There's going to be an abundant harvest. But that's not all. Paul says, "The things which thou hast heard of me, commit thou to faithful well, What things? What things did Paul did Timothy hear of Paul? I've just singled out a few. We, we'd be here all night if we talked about all of them, but I've just singled out a few. Uh, for example, the holiness of the Godhead. Look in your Bible at 2 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the nations, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Look in chapter 6, verses 11 to 16. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, unto which thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I command thee in the sight of God, who maketh all things alive And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in times past he shall show, which in in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Hey, Timothy, you go tell everybody about the holiness of the Godhead. God is something. And we serve a great, great God. And Timothy, everywhere you go, you remember the things that I've said about God, you go say the same things. God, the Father. God, the Son. God, the Holy Spirit. He is the one we love god is not segmented you can't say well i really love god the father but this jesus you just you know you can't i don't understand all they're talking about you have to know jesus well i know god paul says you don't even know god if you don't know jesus and all of this talk about the holy spirit and the magnification of the holy spirit as precious and wonderful as he is and god forgive me if i should say anything that would grieve the precious paraclete of god tonight but the Holy Spirit doesn't even have a personal name God the Father, Jehovah God the Son, Jesus God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit and His main work is to magnify Jesus to point to Jesus Paul, Timothy, you go tell people about that and talk about the glorious Godhead that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself And today, the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on people's hearts to point them to Jesus. For without knowing Jesus, you cannot know God. The holiness of the Godhead. Timothy make much of that. Teachers, leaders, workers, soul winners, church, Christians make much of the holiness of God. Our God is holy. Our God is righteous. And we need to focus on this more and more and more God does not wink at our little old sins. He hates sin. And every sin must receive a just recompense of reward. And for a saved person to sin, hurts the heart of God because that sin is transferred to the, to the account of Jesus. And it's charged against Him. No longer against you, but against Him. And it's like putting another whip and a lash and a slap they pulling a beard and indignity and spitting in the face of Jesus for us to keep on in our sins after we're saved. Because God hates sin, God is holy, and every sin must be punished. And the punishment is all put on Christ if we're saved. He bore the iniquity of us all. And that iniquity, the bearing of that iniquity was retroactive you come to Christ tonight with your sins you have to in faith retroactively go back two thousand years and put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross is enough to cleanse you from past present and future sins as a Christian you sin and the Bible says if we confess our sin God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because if any man sin we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous first John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 and our sins are put on Jesus and Jesus pleads our cause before the throne of God Timothy make a whole lot of that the holiness of God God can't stand sin And listen we live in such a strange age today young people say there's really nothing wrong with free love there's nothing wrong with premarital sex let's have safe sex I'm so glad that articles are coming out in the magazines and the papers now telling you there is no such thing as safe sex there is such a thing maybe a safer sex but no such thing as that the only way is God's way and God says thou shalt not Timothy make much of the purity and the holiness of God secondly make much of the hallowedness of the Scripture. It is infallible in its effect. It is inerrant in its origin. It is unerring in its truth. It is unfailing in its life transformation. Look in your Bible at 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, It's given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is what Paul thought of the Bible. And he said, commit to faithful men the hallowedness of the Scripture. Listen, we need to win as many people to Jesus as possible go everywhere we can to find people to bring them to Jesus but then there's another responsibility and assignment that God gives us and I want to tell you it's an assignment that bus pastors and Sunday school teachers need to take seriously you find somebody get that person one to Christ and then get them back on Sunday night and on Wednesday night and help them to grow in the Lord if all you do is go out and win somebody to Jesus and he's genuinely saved, praise God, but his life may never count for anything unless you personally disciple him. Yeah. Unless you are responsible for getting that one under the word of God, getting them in training union, getting them in the Sunday school class, getting them in the evening service, getting them there for prayer meeting. You look around at some of the people that are being used by God who have been one to Jesus through Christians in this church. And almost without exception, I do not know any exception, there may be some, but without any exception that I can be aware of, somebody took the opportunity and responsibility of getting that person back on Sunday night and on Wednesday night, and it began to grow in the Lord. And Paul says, Timothy, that's what you need to do. Lay upon their hearts the hallowedness of the scripture. Get them under the word of God. Get them in training union. Get them into the prayer meeting hour. Get them to go soul winning with you. Help them to see the power of this word, how it can change somebody else's life. It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others he can do for you. And the word of God is that which can change men's lives. It is infallible, inerrant. It is unswerving. It is unapologetic. The wonderful word of God. And Paul would say, Timothy, you, do, you, you get, get this in the hearts of people. And let me just encourage us tonight. You may not preach like Peter. You may not pray like Paul. You can tell the love of Jesus and say he died for all. Get somebody's hand. Bring them to Jesus. And then don't let go of that hand. Bring them back on Sunday night. Bring them back on Wednesday night. Bus pastors. Let me appeal to you. You know our church needs additional bus pastors and bus drivers and bus helpers and bus workers. And the reason I'm focusing on this tonight, some would say, well, let all the bus, let's just start a mission over here and take all the bus people over there and all that kind of thing. We've done that in the past. We did that years ago. We started a little mission. And we thought, well, we'd just take all the people there. It didn't work. That same mission we started, and I love them, but they don't minister to those kind of people now. They just, they change directions. I want to tell you, God can never let a soul winning church escape the great responsibility of reaching as many people as you possibly can. And one of the ways is through a great bus ministry. And we need some men and women tonight who would rise up and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to let God use me. I'm going to let God use me. Not just, I'm gonna, thank God for those who drive the bus. And if you don't know how to drive a bus, you can learn. How'd I ever learn? How'd you learn to drive a car? Well, you know what I used to do when I was a little boy? My dad had a Model T Ford. Somebody asked me the other day, you're too young to have, too, you're too young to have learned to drive on a Model T. Well, that's what I learned on. My dad had that, and we didn't have anything else. And I'd watch him, and I'd watch It had an old Rexel in it. Anybody know what a Rexel is? An old Rexall is like a third gear. And it's something you pull and so on, and 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 I would watch him and watch him and watch him. And I believe by the time I was eight years old, I knew how to drive that thing. He wouldn't let me do it though. But by the time I was eleven, don't tell anybody. I remember being in a cemetery up there where my father's buried now, and we were trying to drive out of the cemetery. And Dad screwed over. He said, "You you take it out." And I got on a little hill, and I had a tough time. My dad just sat there and he said, now, if you want any advice, ask me. But you do it. You take care of it. Now, my dad was never scared to teach somebody to drive. Don't be scared when you're trying to teach somebody to drive. You won't teach them well. If you're scared, don't drive. But I want to encourage people to learn how to do this thing. I've never driven an 18-wheeler, but I think I can learn. If I could sit up there in the cab and watch how they do it, I could do it. The hardest thing would be backing it up and getting it into these little places where they get them. But I could do that. And you can too. There should not be one single man in this church tonight who'd say, well, I'm scared to drive a bus. That's for the birds. Perfect love casteth out fear. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And we, ought to, we need some bus drivers. But in addition to that, we need some bus captains. And bus pastors who'll go out and spend hours Sanford Davis had I don't know how many on his bus today I said how many hours did you put in yesterday he said five and a half Amen. well Sanford don't you have anything to do you must be you must live on luxury wall you don't work do you, you don't have a job do you Sanford do you you don't have a job uh-huh that's what I thought He <laughs> works out there at GM <laughs> have they called you back to work yet Tomorrow. How many hours are you going to put in next Saturday? Never mind. He's going to put them in, though, I know. Mickey Berkeley works and works and works and works and works and works and works. He has two or three jobs, but he gets out there and gives four or five hours to the Lord every Saturday. I want to tell you, that isn't something that they do because they don't have anything else to do. That's something they do because the love of Christ pulls at their heart. Ben Oates is a busy teacher. And he has back problems. Can't hardly kneel to pray up here. I love for him to pray whether he kneels or doesn't kneel. it make a difference to me. He goes out there and drives a bus if there's nobody else. And he's a bus pastor and spends hours out there on the route. Now what am I saying? I'm saying these guys care about souls. Not just, I could go on and on. I don't mean to leave anybody out. There's some ladies on our buses. There's some men on our buses. Brother Johnny and others. And they do a great, great work. Let, let me tell you. The reward comes after a while. Bus pastors and bus captains don't just do it on Sunday morning, bring them back on Sunday night. Not everybody, not everybody, but you pray, Lord, give me somebody like Betty. Who's Betty? Why well, she was a girl that lived over there and nobody knew and she wasn't and save and she had a sister and brother, and Ron and Lana Chilton found her, brought her to Jesus. Got her going for God. And then Kenny Harris found her and married her. And they're a pastor and pastor's wife. Lord, help me find somebody like Jerry Gifford. And Jimmy Gifford. And David Gifford, the preacher men of the Gifford family. And they were out there, and and, and Ron just went out there, was playing basketball with them and so on, and said, "Go go to Sunday school with me, go on our bus. And then he said, come back on Sunday night. Come back on Wednesday night. What am I saying to you? Timothy? Hey Timothy, don't let them go just as soon as you get them saved. Get them going for God. Equip them in the work. Some of the great people that have gone out of our church who are serving the Lord have been brought to Jesus through bus captains and bus pastors who cared and cared and cared and got them back on Sunday night and on Wednesday night and they started going for God. The things. That you have heard from me, Timothy, commit thou to faithful men. Now, not every, listen, I won't just ask you to face the facts tonight. Not everybody's going to be faithful. You and I don't have the spiritual discernment to recognize who's faithful and who's not faithful. God has to tell us. I've poured my life into a number of people that at the beginning... And over and over again, I saw him fall and flat and so on. I thought, well, I must be wrong, but God kept saying, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. And I did it because God said to do it. I want to ask everybody over here and everybody over here and everybody over here, pray, Lord, give me somebody I can pour my life into. Give me somebody that I can pour my life into. Some woman, some girl, some voice, a woman asked for a, a girl. A boy, a man asked for a boy. And get God, let God use you to touch somebody's life and get them going and going and going for God. God will bless you in that. You say, well, it might look like, like I'm playing favorites. No, you don't need to play favorites, but I want to tell you, if you pour your life into who God tells you to do it, somebody may say you're playing favorites. They may accuse you of that. You've got to be willing to be accused of everything. Just be sure you're not guilty. What men say and what women say, so what? They're going to say something about somebody they don't have anybody else to talk about. Let them talk about you. But pour your life into their lives. I don't mean to be bragging tonight. Please understand that. But I discovered Darla. When Darla came to our church, she was a little timid girl and uh, I, I, we had teen time and she came to teen time and I heard her sing, not a solo, but I just heard her in the group and God said, you ought to help her, get her going. And I'd ask her to sing solo. She said, well, me sing solo? I don't know. I can't sing. I haven't had any training. She became our soloist on teen time and sang every Sunday night for eight years before Bill stole her and took her away. I'm just saying to you, enter into somebody else's life. Get a foothold in their life. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. The things that I've committed to you, commit to faithful, faithful men ask God for the discernment to recognize somebody that can go on for God and pull yourself into that person. That's what Paul's saying, Timothy. That's what Paul did to Timothy. Exactly. That's what Barnabas did to John Mark. We never hear any more about Barnabas after the contention at Jerusalem and Barnabas took Mark and went off to Cyprus. We never hear any more about Barnabas. But years and years go by and Paul in his, in his prison in Rome says, Timothy, get get Mark to come. He's profitable to me for the ministry. How come? thought Mark was a quitter. Yeah, but but Barnabas got hold of him, and Barnabas helped him. The same things that you have heard of me, commit to faithful men that will be able to give it to others. You want to duplicate your life, find somebody and pour your life into that person and help them to go and go and go for God. And for God's sake, don't ever get jealous of somebody else. Don't get jealous of somebody else. Thank God when somebody is outgoing for God. My heart breaks over some who have serious problems in their lives, some that I poured some of my life into. It hurts. but that doesn't change what God told me to do and I'm gonna keep on doing it. And if you'll find somebody and pour your life into them, they may fall flat, they may make mistakes, but you just pray for them. Keep on praying, keep on praying, keep on praying, keep, on, keep them before God and God will use them. I wish I had two, three hours to talk to you tonight about this subject. Commit to faithful men. I wish to God that he would give me the spiritual strength and the authority and the power to put on everybody's heart here tonight the importance of finding somebody, somebody that you could pour your life into. Commit to faithful men so that they in turn can take it and go God will bless you if you do that. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, remember the heeding of the doctrine. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, listen to this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Paul said, Timothy, heed the doctrine The thing that I want you to pass on to others is this importance of heeding and and hoeing to the doctrine. What doctrine? There's only one mediator between God and man. Nobody can come to God through anybody but Jesus. You can't come to God through the church. You can't come to God through the priest or the sacrament or the baptism or or the preacher. Or good works or anything else, you have to come to God through Jesus. And Timothy, hold high that doctrine. And teachers and workers and Christians at Glendale Baptist Church, hold high that doctrine. Amen. There's only one mediator between God and man. And that's Jesus. And then the stipulations along the way. Look in First Timothy chapter three. He said, if there's a man that wants to be feels like God called him to be a preacher or a bishop, and incidentally the word for bishop and pastor and minister are all the same and here he's called a bishop, other places he's called a minister other places he's called an overseer he said if he wants to be a a bishop let him be blameless, husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, not violent not greedy, filthy, lucre, patient, not a brawler, not covetous one that ruleth well his own household, having his children in subjection with all gravity, not a novice lest being lifted up with pride he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be of good report of them that are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, Timothy, I want you to hold, hew the line on that. I like what one man said to me. He said, I've married and divorced and married again. He said, I may not be able to be a preacher. may not even be able to be a deacon, but I can be a soul winner. Thank God. But hold the line on those that you ordain. Hew the line there. And then he says the same thing about deacons, those who would serve as leaders. Gives about the same qualifications, says Timothy. Hold the line. Heed what the word of God says and heed the doctrine. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He has some very good instructions here. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word and conduct, in love and spirit, in faith and purity. Now listen, youth is a time for seed sowing. It's a time for arranging of habits that are going to be there all your life. It is also a time when guys need to find out what girl God wants them to have as a companion. Girls need to find out what guy God wants them to have as a lifelong companion. And that's good. It should be that way. Nothing wrong with dating. Nothing wrong with Guys being interested in pretty girls And pretty girls being interested In strong, handsome, masculine men Nothing wrong with that But he says, let no man despise thy youth What's that mean? Why would anybody despise the youth? Oh, that's just the kids. You know how they do today they, You know what all they do They go out there and hug and kiss all over each other They've got to do that to find out if they love each other Attracted to each other And you know they've got to go read all these trashy magazines And, and they've got to try out free sex And all that kind of thing Hey, wait a minute wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Don't let anybody discredit your youth because you're youth. Be thou an example of the believer. What kind of a believer? What age believer? A believer that is young who loves Jesus. Be thou an example of the believer. That's what he says. That's pretty good counsel, isn't it? If you're going to be an example of a believer, there are going to have to be some off-limits. That's the reason I would encourage girls and guys to keep a Bible between them. God didn't plan for girls and guys to touch each other and have their hands all over each other. That was not God's plan. That's not God's will. Those things are reserved for marriage. And when you get involved in that kind of thing, sometimes it's awful hard to put the brakes on and stop and all oh, the heartbreaks of people I've counseled with and talked with through the years, who had to say, "I wish I'd heeded the preaching." I heard Jerry Vines on a tape from the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville tell how he and Dr. Homer Lindsay do the counseling. <laughs> Very interesting. He said, "We don't have counseling sessions." He said, "I preach." And I say to our young people and to our older people, listen to what we preach, take notes on it, and if you'll listen, you won't have to have all these long counseling sessions. Now, of course, they have counselors in the church that deal with knotty, hard problems, obviously. He was not discrediting the importance of counseling, but he was saying, if you'll just listen to the preached Word of God over a period of time, you don't have to have all these personal counseling sessions because you'll heed them and do them. Paul says, Timothy, you make that clear to people. You say to them, Don't let anybody despise your youth. Be thou an example of a believer in everything. And God will bless you in that. Look in 2 Timothy 2.15. Paul says, Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't go off half-cocked on the Bible. Well, I see it reads here this and this and this. I guess there must be this and this and this. Somebody comes and knocks on your door and says, well, did you know that Isaiah predicted that there would come such and such and such a thing and so on, and and we're fulfilling that, and we just wanted you to know that we're the fulfillment of all that. He said, oh, really, indeed. Well, isn't that interesting? I think I'll start coming to your Bible. Better still, why don't you have a Bible study in my home? And so those cults just just eke out their spiritual living on being a parasite to untutored Baptists. One of the greatest tragedies in the world today is the fact that many of the cults are growing, and and their main adherents are Baptists who don't know any better because they've not listened to their pastor, or their pastor didn't give it to them, or they've not read their Bible. Or they didn't come to Sunday school. One lady called me one day and wanted to talk to me on the phone. She was a member of our church. And she said, well, I've been taking these instructions from the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I want to discuss this and this and this with you. I said, I'll be glad to discuss it with you. And she said, well, I've," I've never heard of such and such a thing. I said, well, we discuss that in training union often. I said, have you ever come to training union? Oh, no, I've never come to training union. But you're studying and having Bible studies with this other cult now? Oh, yes, yes. Teachers and leaders, we must get our people under the word. In training union, in Sunday school, studying the meat of the word of God. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, pass on to others that thing that I've given to you. Well, I need to bring this to a quick end. Let me give you one other thing. He says, uh, Timothy, Jesus is coming again. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And see, Paul, Timothy was with Paul at Thessalonica when, Paul, when, when this, all this came up. And, and, and then later Paul was writing the Thessalonian letter and Timothy was with him. And he said, I don't, want you, I don't want you to be ignorant. And Timothy, you've heard this from me and I want you to declare it to others that the Lord Jesus, the same Lord that we saw go into heaven, will so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He's coming again. And when he comes, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we ever be with the Lord. That's as clear as crystal. How can people get all confused about the second coming of Christ? When Paul said, here it is, just very, very clear, Timothy passed it on to others. Be sure you're acquainted with about how Jesus is going to come again so that nobody can deceive you. Say, out in the field, there he is, or here he is, or he's down in Houston holding a big rally. I do not not mean to be sarcastic but I want to tell you I, I have a hard time understanding how people get all confused and caught up with these gurus from India and the Father Divines that have ridden their special trains across America and all of these special people that claim they know the exact day Jesus is coming again anybody that reads his Bible knows better than that Timothy I want you to be sure to tell them this the things that I've given to you you commit to faithful men so that they can pass it on to others and there's been a chain down through the years of people committing to faithful men the word of God and that's the reason many of you are learned in the Lord because somebody taught you down through the years Timothy That's what I ask you to do. And Christians at Glendale, that's what I want to lay on our hearts tonight. The things which thou hast learned, commit thou to faithful men. Jesus is coming again. I do not know when. I don't know the hour. Any day, any moment, he's coming. He could come tonight before this evening is over. He could come before the morning dawn. But we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And when he comes, we need to go be ready for the report cards. Now, the last thing that I want to say to you, and I don't have time to develop it, he said, he said Timothy, be, be ready to just please Jesus. There are going to be a lot of people that will want to applaud you or criticize you, but Timothy, don't worry about that. Just be pleased to please Jesus. Jesus. That's what he's saying in this passage I just read to you you a few moments ago. And that's what I want to pass on to you tonight. Are we pleasing to Jesus? Are we really what God wants us to be? Would you tonight just say, Lord, I want to take stock. If Jesus should come tonight and I would be called to the judgment seat of Christ, could I be in his presence and say, Lord, I'm pleasing to you. I don't mean braggingly say that and I'm sure that any, anybody that has any kind of spiritual intuition would have to say Lord I, I wish I could please you more but I wonder if you would say tonight Lord I want to make it a lifetime goal from this August 23rd night until I meet you I want to make it my goal to please Jesus just to please him to love him and honor him in all things let's pray Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank Thee for the counsel from the Word of God. We thank You for a band of God's people here tonight who are able to accept and take this strong meat of the Word. We pray Thou will help us to go and grow and glow because of this counsel from the Bible. We pray that if there's one person here tonight who has never been saved, that that dear, precious one would come to Jesus tonight and that Christians would begin to walk with you in the name of Jesus, amen. May we stand, please? Let's stand. I want to tell you, first of all, children, I appreciate the way you've listened tonight. There may have been some that have gone to sleep, but I didn't see you go to sleep, and I appreciate the way you listened. God bless you. Some of it was a little bit over your head, but some of it came right to your heart, didn't it? All right, now God has spoken. It may be that somebody here tonight would not go to heaven if you died this evening. You've never been saved. Well, Jesus wants to save you. He wants to live inside of you. You have to open your heart and invite him in. If you'll do that, he'll come in, and he'll start walking with you and living with you, and he'll be your savior and your friend and your guide. But I want to tell you, after you give your heart to Jesus, then God wants you to do something for him. He wants you to confess him. He wants you to come forward in church and let everybody know that Jesus is in your heart. Then he wants you to take a stand for him to be his disciple, to follow him in baptism, to be part of his church and to serve him and live for him. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight who would say, I'm willing to do that. I want to do that for Jesus. I want to please him. There may be some Christians who have been saved a good while, but God's Holy Spirit has talked to your heart tonight, and there's an area where there just needs to be some renewing, renewing of covenant, renewing of of a promise, whatever God has spoken to you about. Maybe there's somebody here tonight who would say, by the grace of God, I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to find somebody and pour my life into that person. Do what I can to win that person, not just to faith in Jesus, but to going on to discipleship, to be God's special envoy and servant and ambassador. We do what God wants you to do. There may be somebody here tonight to whom God has been speaking. He's been saying, I want you. I just want you. I want you to be my servant. I want you to preach my gospel. I want you to go as my missionary. I want you to lay your life on the line for God. And if necessary, die for me. Would you take that challenge? Is there somebody here tonight who would be willing to come and say, God spoke to me. I will respond the way God spoke. While we begin to sing, what's our song? 384, 384, I can hear the Savior calling, take thy cross and follow me. Would you come tonight and do what God tells you to do with all your heart? May we sing.